Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 49 uh, we are three podcasts away from an official uh, 52 podcast, which means that I've been doing this for a year now, which for me is a really exciting moment. That's a, a, like my first uh, official milestone with this. And I hope that you guys are seeing the value in this. I hope this is something that as you're as you're tuning in and as you're listening and you're, and you're seeing the, the caliber of guests that we have come in, that this is that's the reason that you're coming in and tuning into this. My heart from this from the very beginning is to been uh, to uh, give back to that next generation, to reach uh, those who are you know 10 years, 15 years younger than myself and, and kind of create a relatable transition from you know, people who you look up to that are very, very successful and you almost look and say, man, that seems like a leap for me. But when you can look at some people that are on the same journey just a couple of years ahead of you, it's a little bit more relatable and it's a little bit more easy for you to say, okay, these guys are going through the same thing or it's more recent for them to have gone through some of these different thought processes or analysis in their lives or just trying to identify who they are. And I, I want everybody to know as they listen to this podcast and to any podcast that we have is that definitely you are not alone. You are in a situation where leadership sometimes happens to you. Uh, not everyone's born a leader. Uh, it's, it's a skill that's developed within you and that as you're doing it, it's okay to know that you don't know what to do and that you do need to backfill uh, in some instances, but the fact that you're out there pursuing this information and you're out there trying to find ways to grow as a person, you're on the right track. And so I want to encourage you there. Uh, one of the things that I love to do with this podcast is bring on uh, all sorts of different kinds of guests. And uh, today, uh, my guest is Joshua Dwight. And um, I'm going to read his intro here in a, in a minute. But one of the things that I like about some of the things that I've learned about Josh as, as I've gotten to know him a little bit is that he's he's not afraid to be an open book and he's not afraid to kind of use his past experiences to propel himself, uh, to motivate himself uh, to go that, uh, to that next level. So I'm, I'm excited to introduce you to him. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur, coach, and speaker who has a passion for seeing individuals find meaning and purpose in the work they do and make money doing what they love. Josh's inspiration comes from his abusive childhood that left him as a homeless teenager battling with severe anxiety and depression amongst a life of violence and crime. He had a major life change at 17 when a group of mentors took him under his wing and helped mold him into the man he is today. Josh's story is going from an abandoned teen teenager to a six-figure business owner in multiple businesses is one that leverages to inspire people all over the nation to create the life that they envision and desire. In late August, he will be releasing his book, Self-Made, Achieving Wealth and Success Without a College Degree. Wow, that was a little bit of a mouthful, Josh, but welcome to the podcast and uh, say hello to the audience. 
Yeah, Evan, that was great, man. I, you, it was a mouthful, but you did awesome. And I'm uh, so happy to be here, brother. So happy to be here. Yeah, I don't always get the courtesy of reading through these a bunch of times. So, uh, you know, you want to try to try to make it sound like I, I've known you forever and, and just know you inside and out. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and admit on air that I, I am reading that intro as, as I talk to you. But <laughs> I do appreciate when you're when you're putting together an intro and you're trying to kind of say, you know, what do I want people to know? about myself like you know for you you're a you're an entrepreneur you're a coach and you're a speaker so you've put a lot of thought and and time into really trying to be as concise as possible to describe who you are and what makes basically the words that come out of your 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 mouth carry weight and what i'm intrigued about and i want to i want to kind of open it up with this a little bit because you, you kind of talk a little bit about you know when you're a kid before those mentors came in and helped you, you had a pretty rough childhood. So if you don't mind, first of all, why is that such a significant part of who you are? And what do you draw from from that uh, to, to kind of propel you to where you are today? Sure. Yeah, man. Uh, so the biggest thing with that is there's this one part within the bio there where I say that I, I struggled severely with anxiety and depression. When I say that, I mean, I'm, I'm not just talking about, oh, you know, I kind of felt down sometimes. Uh, literally every single day I would have about four to five just absolutely debilitating panic attacks. Um, and, you know, I'm like, this started probably when I was 14, lasted all the way till I was about 17. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got on some medication for it, but you know how, I don't know if you've heard any stories about exactly how depression medications can work. Sometimes they can really have some some harsh side effects. And I was just basically a zombie walking around. So I had to get off of it. And uh, mm-hmm. just kind of had to start learning to, to deal with that stuff. And the reason I'm telling you that is because within that, one of the main things that I believe, you know, I've kind of dissected 16 years later, looking back and I've dissected like exactly what was causing those things. And the main thing that I've, I've seen that, that's caused it was this lack of purpose and this lack of feeling like I belong, this, this um, rejection that I felt from my childhood and, and all of those things. And uh, that's, that's really been the whole reason why I leverage everything I do off of that, because I know how bad that hurts to not know what you're here for, to not know exactly what you're going to do from day to day. And, you know, yeah, I, I kind of monetize it through uh, helping people figure out cr- that career wise, because that's the, you know, that's the main thing that everybody needs a job. Everybody needs something to do. Right. Um, it, it does go deeper than that. But, but really, that's the main thing that I leverage off of, because I understand um, where that is. I understand how bad that hurts and how bad that can really mess somebody up psychologically. So that's, that's exactly why I talk about that. Well, we do talk about purpose a lot on the podcast because one of the things that we want to do is we want to kind of, we want to inspire you, the listener to find out what your true purpose is. We've, we've, we've talked at length about it's possible for you to be good at something, but that not be your purpose. That's not the thing that gives you life and takes you to that next level. And so one of the things that I want to ask you as it sounds like you've kind of been on one extreme of not having purpose. What did that really feel like? I mean, you're on antidepressants, you've had a rough childhood and you, you felt that lack of purpose. And is it just an, just a total emptiness inside of you, or you're just kind of sitting there questioning, you know, why am I even here? What am I doing? Um, Because you don't have that thing that's driving you every day to get up in the morning and do your best and, and do everything you can. What, what did that look like for you? Right. So um, 
you know, in general, every every teenager kind of has to go through that moment anyway, right. right? Like like trying to find themselves. And so I'm I'm already in that, but then I have those layers of abuse and those layers of uh uh, just, just absolutely, re- absolute rejection from my parents and, and all these things. So what it felt like was, um, it, it was, it was all this, it was almost like this riding this wave, man, just up and down this ebb and flow thing, because on one end of the spectrum, I would be like, uh, okay, I got to find this thing. I got to find out exactly what makes me tick and, and exactly what it is. And, and, and I would just like be searching for, for all those things. And I'll tell you exactly where, where I landed in just a second. And then mm-hmm. the other side of the the other side of the thing was just absolutely despondency, man. Just absolute, just just despair, and just um, I, I really struggle with uh, suicidal thoughts and things of that nature. Because uh, as I'm laying down and I'm just like, you know, going to bed at night and just like, man, I I just don't see a reason to be here. Like this mm-hmm. all just sucks, you know. And and that emptiness that you feel when you're like that. Um, I was always too scared to, you know, do anything about those suicidal thoughts because I wasn't really sure what would happen afterwards and everything. So, so that was one side of it. But, but the other side was, uh, was definitely like looking in things and and because of the background that I was from, you know, living in some urban areas and everything. Um, this, this this is so funny because when I meet people face to face, they always get really surprised by this, but I I mentioned, you know, the life of crime and, uh, and stuff like that, uh, in my, in my bio, uh, I actually ended up getting in a gang. And uh, selling drugs and, and doing things of that nature, uh, all really all of the things that that entails. Uh, and within that, you know, I always had a really a real big heart for music and everything. So uh, I figured out that I could rap pretty well. And uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, I actually ended up having my own uh, little independent album out in Georgia, where I was uh, from at the time. And uh, that was and the reason why I did that. Uh, I even I even you know had an album or anything was because I, I felt good at. I felt good at something and whenever people heard me, they, they like gave me purpose. They was like, Oh my God, that's really good. And it made me feel good when I did it. Right. So there was one reason. And the other reason was, um, man, I was just, I was doing that because I felt so, um, weighted down by, uh, the, the abusive childhood and everything uh, with my parents that, um, I just wanted to escape them. And, and I see all these rappers out here getting all this money and doing all this and talking about, you know, their lifestyle. And I'm like, that's what I can do. You know, in my little, my young teenage mind, I'm like, I can make this record, get big <laughs> and, and I'll never have to deal with my dad again, you know, kind of thing. So, uh, so it's a funny story, but, uh, I, I, I'd like to say that I was, uh, I was pretty, pretty decent at it. And, um, you know, a lot of times people don't believe me. I used to have to prove it, and then uh, and then I do, and, and it goes over well. So, well, well, what the listeners don't know is that this is a video. Normally, when I do these podcasts, I do a video so I can kind of see who I'm talking to, so we can interact. And uh, I, I can already tell based on your body language that you're getting really uncomfortable because you think I'm going to ask you to rap, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, uh, I would do it, but I've been out of it for so long. One thing that I do want to do, though, is I, I want to take this opportunity to uh, kind of give you an give you the the platform to speak directly to somebody who maybe is where you were uh, five ten years ago, when you were in that place of despair, when you were in that place that you didn't feel you had purpose, and then pile on top of that um, the 
circumstances with uh, your family and, and just all, everything that was going on. Uh, I, I, like I said in the intro, you're not alone when you listen to this podcast. Um, there's different stages of life that you may be in when you hear this. This may not apply to 99% of the audience, and I'm totally good with that. I want you to talk to that 1%. That 1% that's you back then. Um, you obviously had some mentors that came in alongside you and helped you, and that made a big difference in your life. So take this time to kind of speak to yourself or somebody who's going through that same thing and just let them know what the other side looks like and let them know that the, that what the experience is like getting from there to where we are today. Sure. Sure. Well, what I would say is this, and, and this may rub some people the wrong way. Okay. Uh, because, because this approach, uh, to someone who's never been there, it might seem a little harsh and you have to understand and when I'm saying what I'm about to say, this is coming from someone who's, who's been right in that spot. Right. right. And so the, the number one thing, the number, when I go into schools and, and I love, I love speaking about this in, in like at risk schools and stuff, um, or at schools who have a majority of at risk students. Uh, I love speaking about this. And the number one thing is this, you have to take responsibility for exactly where you're at. Like mm -hmm. I understand that it sucks. Like if I told you this, if I told you my full story and like all the details and the, the grimy ugliness and the freaking tears and I mean, just everything about that. I mean, I could have, probably uh, every eye, you know, wet from, from tears on this podcast, or this listen to this podcast right now, right? Um, and, and that's not just me. There's so many people with stories like that. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times what we try to do is kind of quote unquote, feel sorry for ourselves for exactly where we're, you know, what's happened to us and what's been done to us and, and all those things. And then on the flip side of that, like at the same time, we want to get out of those th th those things and we want to feel, you know, what it's like to have freedom uh, financially or what it's like to be able to do whatever you want to do with your life and, and live in a nice house and have nice cars to drive or, or, you know, material things, whatever, like just feel good about life. And so what I'm telling you is you can't have both. You can't feel sorry for yourself and then have, you know, all your dreams come true. It just it just doesn't happen. And the moment that I changed, like the moment, you know, I mentioned the mentors and everything. The moment that I really changed was the moment when they kind of got a hold of me and was like, yeah, okay, you have a story. All right. Every, everyone has a story. Now, what are you going to do with your life from this point forward? Like your story, like my story didn't dictate to me what my future was going to be. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want to tell people. Like you might be going through the worst freaking thing in the world right now. And if you allow yourself to be dictated by this story, by exactly what's happening to you right now, then you will be. <laughs> and, and look, the trajectory of that's not going to be good. You're probably mm -hmm. going to end up poor or homeless or, you know, God forbid that that happens. I'm not like prophesying that over anybody, but I'm saying if you just go with the trajectory of that, more than likely it's going to happen. So what I'm yeah. telling you is take responsibility for your situation. If you've got $3 in the bank, be honest with yourself. Don't try to fool anybody. Hey, I've got $3 in the bank. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Where do you mm -hmm. want to be? Do you want, do you want the nice house, the nice car, the, a, a job, a career, whatever? Where do you want to be and start today, day one, working towards that? And that, you know, uh, in a nutshell, that would, that would be the main message. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of times, especially as guys, one of the things that we're not going to do as a first instinct is to own up to something like that. We're always going to have that wall, that front, that, that protection layer. I had Paul Blanchard on um, about two podcasts ago, and he talked about how most people 
will only share about 60% of who they really are. They hide the other 40% because they're either embarrassed or they're, they don't want to be taken advantage of or whatever else. And I think what happens is, is when you don't make yourself vulnerable, people think you're okay. And if people think you're okay, they're not going to go any deeper and try to help. But I think intrinsically, most people want to help. Yeah, there's people out there that are going to take advantage of you. And there's, there's people that are going to probably say things and make fun of you. That will happen too. But there's also a lot of people out there that are willing to uh, reach down and, and, and grab your hand and help you up because in some cases they've been there before and they know what that hurt feels like. And they're, they have that ability to express their story with you, which is cathartic for them. But it's also something that uh, will hopefully help you be motivated to get beyond that position that you're in. It, when you were talking about some of the experiences you had, it, it seemed to me like one of those things where it was a, it was more a matter of um, using those experiences to become successful or to get out of that. Like, I don't want to have that kind of life. So therefore I'm going to try that much harder to get out of it. And I think some people say, well, I don't have that kind of story. So I can't overcome the things that they've overcome because I didn't have a rough childhood. Uh, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the opposite side. I had a decent childhood. I didn't have a lot of struggle when I was a kid and I'm just as motivated to be successful. And in some cases I maybe had a little bit of a head start, but it, that doesn't mean anything because you can outwork me. You can, uh, try harder. You can put in the time and do whatever else. And if I'm not willing to do that and you are, you're going to be the more successful person. So it really doesn't, the, the the history that you have or the challenges that you've overcome, those are all leading you to a different platform in your life that you can use that to propel yourself to that next level. But by no means, just because you've either had a good childhood or bad childhood doesn't mean that you aren't capable of achieving what you were created to be. Right, right. A point I wanted to make, uh, you know, particularly about people uh, not being realistic with with where they're at in their life. Uh, mm -hmm. I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk a lot. Do you, are, you, are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? I am, yeah. Yeah, so I really like like him a lot because uh, he really cuts through a lot of the BS. It and, and just says, look, man, if you want something, go get it, you know, that kind of thing. But something yeah. he says that, that I really, really like and that it, that has stuck with me is that you're not fooling anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Like like if you have $3 in the bank and you're trying to roll around acting like you have this and this and that, like you're not fooling the people who really matter as far as like network wise, the people who can actually get you somewhere, you're not fooling mm -hmm. those people. So if you want to be uh, a little more at an, at a little more elevated position in your life, you need to just go ahead and be honest with yourself. You need to go start from that level and then start working your way up. You're not fooling anybody anyway. You think you are, and it might, it might stroke your ego, but it's not, it's not doing anything, anything for you in your network or in public. It's just not right. So <laughs> people so are smarter is, than you think they are. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we've all seen it, right? I mean, you've, you've, you've been in a network meeting before and, and a guy might walk in and act like, you know, he's been doing this for forever and forever. And you're just like, Oh, okay. And you could just, you could just tell that it's, it's not happening, man. You don't have it together. And, and it's not that, you know, we're looking down on anybody that's like that. It's, it's the fact that if those people would just say, Hey, look, man, I'm hurting. I'm, I'm, I'm needing some direction. I need some mentorship or whatever. Then I, I guarantee five or five to 10 people would flock to them and be like, Oh, what can I do for you? Can I help? Cause people naturally in their own hearts, they really do want to help people, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and so if you're if you're honest with yourself, you're you're going to find that your network will kind of come and uh, and help you out. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up mentorship because um, f- for from the beginning of when I've known you, you've you've been more of a mentor to the millennial generation. You kind of have been the self-proclaimed um, millennial mentor. I think is right. is what what it's right. called, and so. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because essentially that's the audience, right? That's the, I, I, I think I said in one of the very beginning podcasts that I found out that this was before the X lineal. So we'll, we can get to that in a little bit, but sure. uh, I found out that like 1980 is the cutoff for a millennial between a millennial and Gen Xer. Right. And so I was born in 81 and I was like, well, I thought I was a Gen Xer, but apparently I'm a millennial and here I am like ragging on millennials just saying, Hey, they don't like to take responsibility. Everything's been given to them. They expect everything and everything else. And I'm actually in that group. So I was like, well, if I have any control over this, I'm going to try to help the millennial generation or be an example of what a millennial can be as opposed to what everyone dislikes about millennials. And so I'm curious to kind of your thoughts on the millennial generation and because cause really they're the ones right now that are, are starting to enter leadership roles. They're starting to enter the workforce. A lot of people up until this point have been trying to figure out how to, how to work with a millennial, how to, how to find ways to motivate them because it's definitely different. But if you really break it down, I mean, every generation, like the, I mean, the hippies, right? In the 70s, sure, yeah. that was probably right. a generation that they didn't think was going to work hard or do anything else because uh, they, they were coming from what? The greatest generation before that, which was uh, everyone that was just – you know, going to work hard and do whatever it could to achieve that American dream. And so right. we're, we're kind of in this position now where the younger generation is starting to grow up and it's starting to mature and it's starting to kind of get to that level where they're leading. And my question to you is, what have you learned from mentoring mentor, uh, millennials? And what, what are some of the things, what are the, what are the plus sides to the millennial, to, to that generation that's really um, been kind of vilified up until this point? What are the things that they're good at? What are the things that, that we can start kind of latching onto and embracing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, man, um, the thing that excites me the most about this millennial generation as a whole is that um, it, even though that it really irks the prior generations, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really exciting to me because, and, and I, I, I'm going to include myself in this because I'm a millennial as well, mm-hmm. and you are too, Evan. Uh, I, uh, but <laughs> I'm an ex-millennial. I'm just, it right, sounds right, different, right. so I'm going to say that. Right. Um, the thing that excites me the most is that one of the key motivations for millennials, and a lot of times people, people don't come at it and define it as this, but this is exactly what it is. The key motivations for millennials is they want to have that purpose. They want to have that drive and that, um, and, and they won't settle for anything less than what they're supposed to be here for, right? Doing what they're supposed mm-hmm. to be here for. And that excites me because mm-hmm. it excites me, number one, because we've had uh, older generations to pave the way for us to be, even be able to do that, you know? And, and I think um, that's one of the disconnects with the older generations. Like they don't realize that we would not be be able to say the things we say and do the things that we do if they had not kind of went through that struggle. You know, the, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm thinking all the way back to the Great Depression years. And when, right. you know, if you stood up and said, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, they're looking at you like, are you a freaking idiot? Are you going to be an <laughs> entrepreneur in this, you know, kind of thing? Um, and, and like that wasn't feasible then. 
But because, you know, we had fathers and forefathers and, and mothers and foremothers who have built the nation that we live in um, in such a way, we can have dreamers. We can have people who are uh, really devout about fulfilling their heart's desires. And I think that's a beautiful thing, man. I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, you, you know, I, I know that, that YBT a lot of times has um, a particular Christian background and everything. And one of my favorite mm -hmm. scriptures is Jesus saying, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I think mm -hmm. throughout the entire, the entire history of the world, man, that's the, that's the goal. That's the key, life and life more abundantly, right? And sometimes mm -hmm. it's on the backs of other people's sacrifice that we can have that. And, um, and anyway, I'm, I'm maybe going on a tangent here. I just wanted to say that, that it excites me that people who are millennials uh, really do want to fulfill their dreams and would do anything to do that. Now, on the, on the flip side of this, let me say this. On the flip yeah. side, a lot of times that can cause some issues because the disconnect is they don't realize that they're going to have to actually do something to fulfill those dreams. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, and so in my book, one of the things that I talk about, I have this chapter called, uh, called luck sucks. Right. Uh -huh. And, and basically, and, and I, I kind of include a lot of, uh, a lot of different things. I'll just put it, I'll put it that just superstition. A lot of different things are under that umbrella that I call luck. Um, and, and the, the reason why I attack this is because I feel like a lot of times millennials have this desire to accomplish their dreams and all that. But then they kind of uh, sit back and, and just wait on this foundation of luck and superstition and, and hyper faith and all this stuff to go, you know what? I'm just going to get it because I want it. And yeah. That's it, right? <laughs> and, and, uh, and it never happens. And then you get you know, depressed millennials and all this stuff. And the whole reason why is because you're not doing anything about the desire on your heart. It's a, it's a slippery slope. You, know? you, you have those... Uh, people with strong desires, but then you have the same people who don't want to do anything and take action on those desires. And that's the key thing. If you want to do what you want to do, you have to take action on it. So the book you're talking about is, is self-made achieving wealth and success without a college degree. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I, I've heard you talking about it a little bit. And I know that you've gotten a little bit of a uh, of flack about the title, you always jump at the opportunity to explain it because, and it makes sense because I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, here we go. This guy's going to kind of rip on colleges and universities. And I don't think that's your point. I think what your point is, is that you really want to highlight that when it comes to college and getting that degree, that is important for certain kinds of industries and anything else, but it's not going to be the thing that makes you successful. The thing that makes you successful is what you do after it. And so if you bypass that step, you can still do the action part. You're probably not going to be a very good doctor if you don't get a, a medical degree exactly. and, and actually right. study to do that. But if you're going to be an entrepreneur, um, there's a lot of other things that you can do outside of college to, to learn how to do those things. If you're going to be uh, if you're going to work in the trade industry and 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 be a craftsman at something, right. I'm pretty sure you don't need to go to college to be a woodworker. It, it might help a little bit, but I think right. you're going to get a lot more hand hands-on experience doing something else. So, kind of explain a little bit more about what your purpose is with writing the book, and uh, and what you're what you're what you're trying to get at in terms of uh, the message of being self-made without having that college degree. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, immediately, like you already said, I, I jump at the opportunity to kind of defend the title. And it's not that I'm, <laughs> I'm insecure at that or anything, but a lot of times it's good first, marketing. That's what you want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, the, the first question I always get is, so you don't think people should go to college then? 
And no, yeah. that's not that's not what I'm saying at all. Like really, to be honest, at the heart of this, Evan, what I'm doing is I'm attacking this mindset that our culture has created uh, with mm -hmm. the university and college system. You know, uh, initially, university and college systems were were amazing, and and they were um, were helping people actually get educated and um, and and get out of the university system to go into a career that would make them a ton of money. And now, statistically speaking, this is not just my opinion. This is statistically speaking, people that get out of get out of the university systems are not too much far, farther ahead than people who didn't go. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I and I say that you know uh, with a grain of salt. I'm not talking about every single industry is like that, but I'm talking about a majority of industries, right? Right. So the the key with this is me really tuning in to this cultural mindset that. I'm going to go, and really, honestly, I think it ties into that whole luck thing that we were just talking about. Because people yeah. think, okay, I'll, I, all I have to do is just go sit in a classroom for four years, six years, whatever, get this piece of paper, and then I get out and I make a bunch of money. Doesn't that sound awesome? Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to do anything yeah. at all. You just go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, you do have to do the work of, of college and all that. But I, to be honest, I've heard a lot of people say that they've gone and they just sit there and they're just like zombies sitting there and they take a test and they do good enough to pass and they get the, they get the piece of paper, right? Mm -hmm. Then they get out and they go work for somebody. I think you and I have even talked about this, uh, you know, people who you've employed, you, they go work for somebody and it's like, they have nothing. They, they don't, they don't have any practical skills. They don't right. know how to even show up to work on time, uh, much less even, you know, accomplish the tasks given to them, things of that mm -hmm. nature. So, so really what it is, is I'm, I'm kind of taking, that objective approach to say, okay, let's all step back here and really dissect the formula to success. And mm -hmm. the formula to success to me is not college. That's the answer. That's it. The formula to success, success for me is recognize exactly where you are in your situation, right. whether you're, you're Evan who had a, had a great childhood and, and you know, had some good life lessons or you're me who did not have such a great childhood and was abused and neglected and rejected and all that, whatever situation you're in, whatever it is, recognize where you want to go, take responsibility for where you're at, and then take those proper steps, step-by-step step, to get to that place. And there's some real practical tips and tricks and skills that I've used in my life and learned uh, and, were, and were coached up into um, to, to accomplish those things. So that's, that's really the gist of, of the book and, and the reason for that title. So would you say the book breaks down those practical steps? Because that's, the, that's all the meat right there. That's the important part. It's, it's basically saying, you know, you're probably not going to have all the answers to this and that's okay. There's not normally a, something that you just know, Hey, if I do X, Y, and Z, this is going to happen. And I think what you're saying is that people think that college is the X, Y, and Z and that you step out of college and it's, you immediately go into the workforce and you're going to be successful and that's it. I think that the practical steps that you're talking about comes from learning from books, uh, which is taking the knowledge that you gain from college to teach yourself how to learn on your own, but then also seeking out mentors and, and really identifying who you are as a person, uh, mm -hmm. going back into purpose. If you know who you are and what you were created to be, what, what drives you, what you're passionate about, those kinds of things. If you know about that going into college, I think college can be very, very sure. uh, helpful to you. Sure. But if you don't know who you are going into college, and I've made this mistake, uh, I graduated with a degree 
that I wasn't passionate about. Yeah. And ultimately, what I got a degree in, it was broad, so I was able to be successful in spite of it. But I could have been a lot more specific with my degree if I really knew who I was. But I essentially got a piece of paper that said that I was able to commit to something for four years and I was able to um, be successful in the minds of a teacher. But when it came down to the actual work world, looking back at my first day in the office, I didn't know very much at all. I I had some charisma. I had personality. I had character uh, and I had the will to do something, but I was not qualified by any means to really do anything more than make phone calls and type emails. Yeah. Evan, would you mind if I asked you what, what was the thing that uh, made you determine, you know, even though it was, you didn't feel like it was the right career path or the right degree path. What was it that that made you go, okay, this, what, what was that? Like, what was that process like? It was one of those things that as, as I graduated from high school, uh, I knew that that big decision was coming and there was a lot of weight on it because I was like, I, I'm actually having to pay for this now. Like, yeah. this is not, this is not just something like, and I, I, I before I went to school, the, I was a private school, so you had to pay, but it, it was like, you didn't have a choice then. So at this point I had a choice and I knew I needed to do something. So I was kind of just sitting there going, well, I know that I'm good at computers and I like computers because I think that's where the market's going. So Obviously, I need to do something with computers because I was the guy that whenever somebody said, hey, how do I get on Wi-Fi or how do I how do I you know, load this or find this? Like I had an understanding of how that stuff worked and it was just because I had been around it and I was always curious by it and, and I enjoyed it. So for me, it was like, well, then I need to be a guy who uh, writes programs or I need to be a guy who can repair a computer. I need to be a guy who knows the insides and outsides of how these different things work. As I kind of get in, got into it, I was like, I don't know that I'm the programming guy. I'm not the guy that wants to actually sit there and write code because I saw what those guys looked like and no offense to any coders that are listening to the podcast, but that wasn't my personality. I was more of a people person, more of a sales guy, more of a, because that uh, for me, it was I didn't have a problem getting up in front of a bunch of people and talking. Right. So I knew that I needed to kind of find that balance. And I found something that I thought was a good fit. And it probably could have worked because I still use a lot of the things that I learned in college in, in terms of bridging that gap between developers and customers uh, and, and working in that, that way for developing um software and that kind of stuff. I still use that. So I have an understanding. I understand how a computer works and, and, and what it means and all that other stuff, but I also understand people. And so in my mind, that was, that was what I needed to do. But yeah. when it ultimately came down to it, it wasn't something that when I was doing it, I enjoyed. And it, it kind of circles back to your, your Facebook post not too long ago that says, when do you know that it's time to look for a different job or that you're not in the thing that you want to do is because you're looking so forward to the weekend right? And, as opposed to the actual work week because you don't love what you're doing. You, you exactly. wouldn't feel that way. Uh, now, if you have a, if you have a really exciting thing going on in the weekend, you, it's okay to be excited about that. Sure, but, sure, I, it, but, but in the grand scheme of things, if, if that's what you're really driving towards, just, get me out of here as soon as it's five five oh one I'm leaving because technically I stayed late then that's probably not something that's giving you life it's not inspiring you you go home and you're drained you're just like oh I'm so busy today I'm exhausted and they're like what'd right. you do and you're like 
I can't even tell you what I did. I just know I was busy and I don't know right. I don't know what it ha- that would have been if 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 I stayed in MIS that would have been that would have been my life. I could have made decent money. Um I just wasn't passionate about it and uh I had a little bit of a wake up call cuz I did <laughs> I did graduate and try to get a job in there and I realized that I was still not very qualified for it. Um, right. Now, on the opposite end of that, I knew that I was I had been in sales for over 10 years at that point. And when I realized that I needed to figure something out, I was like, well, I know that people are always going to need to buy stuff. And so I can sell some. So maybe I merged those two things. So technology and sales. And so I was able to merge that. And that actually kind of uh, indirectly steered me to where I am today uh, with running a marketing company because it was sales. It was technology at first. And then it evolved into to marketing and being creative and helping people grow their business and drive responses. And that's the thing that I realized that was something that I really enjoyed. If I can help somebody else be successful at what they're doing, which is running their business, promoting their business, getting their name out there, whatever it is, that right there was better than any program I could have written. It was one of those things where I got that phone call and said, hey, or I called somebody and said, hey, how did, how did your campaign go? Uh, what'd you think? Whatever else. And they're like, Oh my, it was, we got so many sales. We got so many phone calls. We're so excited. We want to do it again. Uh, for me, that was, that was like running, a, you know, running a race and finishing first. So right. that was a very right. long answer to your question. <laughs> no. But yeah. Well, I, I, I hope I, that I helps you that. understand kind of where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, no, I, I and I, as you were talking before you answered the question, I, I could see that you were alluding to that was that was kind of the thing. And obviously, I've talked to a, a ton of people about how they make their you know college career choice decision. And I want to highlight on something that really really irks me about this. Uh, not you personally, but just this this decision that so many seventeen and eighteen year olds and nineteen year olds find themselves in. Right? It irks yeah. me oh to no end that it's like here you go. You're about to launch into seemingly the most important decision of your life, right? And that is, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. And so what happens is these teachers and administrators and advisors and all this, they, they take this, it's almost like they take this piece of paper and they put it in front of you. And this piece of paper is like a menu. And mm-hmm. they go, all right, Evan, select from one of these things what you want to do the rest of your life. And my, my dilemma with that is, what if none of those things is what is on your heart? Mm-hmm. Because with me and the way that I coach people, you know, they, they're, they're expecting a lot of times me to go, okay, well, let's do an analysis of yourself and your gifts and your talents and all this stuff. And I cut through all of that crap the very first session and I go, what do you want to do? What's on your heart right now? Mm-hmm. And, and what I, usually what I do is we walk through a few, a few little exercises to get them to stop thinking that uh, what's on their heart is other people's, uh, uh, other people's voices. Basically mm-hmm. what I'm saying is like, you know, mom says this, dad says this, oh, my pastor might say this at church and, and uh, you know, this person, oh, but my friend, he makes a lot of money doing this and that would be nice to make a lot of money. But mm-hmm. none of those things is your heart, right? And so right. honestly, my first sessions with, with clients is like just, just boiling it down and going, dude, or sister, whatever, what do you want? What do you want? They to prefer do? to be called dudettes. I don't know if you knew that. Dudettes. There's yes. dudes and dudettes. I am behind the curve. I mean, I need to get with my <laughs> millennial lingo. Uh, but, but no, we just, we just boil it down and say, okay, let's stop listening to everybody else. 
Let's stop listening to, uh, and, and that's, that includes people who are super important in your life. Right. And, and look, I know firsthand, I know, like I had a, I had a really crazy story of actually uh, having to tell all of those mentors that actually helped me change my life that the direction that they were going, I didn't want to go. Like it wasn't mm -hmm. on my heart. You want to talk about hard. Right. <laughs> these because are the people these, that helped you. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, these are people that I literally saved my life, literally saved mm -hmm. my life. And then here it is. I'm going to sit there and tell them, Hey, thank you for everything you've done. But, um, I want to go in a different way. I want to go at a different you know, path with this now, you know, that's hard. Mm -hmm. And so, well, all I'm really saying is that the main thing that, that is required is to, to make sure that you are hearing your heart. And then you, and then you, you know, the, the next question could be, okay, well, you hear your heart, you start on that path and everything, but then what if that's wrong? And see, that's where people go wrong with, mm -hmm. with that kind of thinking, because your heart, I, I truly believe in my heart that your heart's not going to steer you wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and it's a spiritual thing because I think your heart is where your spirit, your soul resides and all that. And I don't believe that your heart's going to steer you wrong. And this even applies to a business saying, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, but the saying is to succeed in business or the best way to succeed in business is to be in business. In other words, mm -hmm. a lot of times people think that whenever I make this decision and I, and I, and I listen to what's on my heart, that thing right now, right here is going to be the thing that I do the rest of my life. And I'm telling you that 98% of the time, that's not how it works. Like honestly, mm -hmm. how it works is you make that decision, you listen to your heart and then you start doing something and you go kind of like your story. Oh, you know what? I could, do this. That would be a lot of fun. And then, yeah. oh, I, I, I can figure out, oh, you know what? And, and like your mind and your heart would have never been open to the possibility of doing those things 10 years down the road, you know, mm -hmm. had you not even started on that journey in the first place. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are, are way too wrapped up in trying to live their entire life based on one decision than they are with actually enjoying the entire journey of life, right? And that's, mm -hmm. that's really the thing that I try to drive home with people. Yeah. One of the things that I've had to work through in my personal kind of journey in terms of becoming who I'm feel that I'm created to be is that I've, I've always had this big concern and I'll, I'll classify it as a fear of starting over. I didn't want to fail and then have to go hit the reset button. And, um, I had Dr. Nathan Baxter on the podcast probably about four or five episodes ago. And, uh, and, and he actually worked with him as a coach. Um, or he coaches me, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that he said was, uh, when I was kind of explaining that to him, he says, I, I don't subscribe to that mentality that you start over. He says, you will never truly start over. You'll only build upon the things that you've done up until this point. So yeah, your, your career may start over per se, but you still have all the experience. You still have all the knowledge. You still have all the, the successes and failures that you had in the past. And that's going to propel you and accelerate you. Even if it is a starting over type of situation, you won't stay there long because you've already gone through so much and it's going to help you be that much more successful uh, in whatever thing you do next. Um, so it's, it's not a matter of having to start over or having to, uh, you know, look back and, and say, you know, these were, I made this decision, right? And it was the wrong decision, or I think it was the wrong decision. I put so much weight on that decision. And so now I realized that that was the wrong decision. I got to start all over again. It's not that mm -hmm. it's 
that decision that you made there led you to this point where you make this decision. And when you make this decision, you can use all the things that you've learned from the previous decision to propel you to that next thing. And it's guiding you. It's small adjustments. There's a bunch of small choices as opposed to one gigantic choice. And I think the important thing is, and you kind of talked about it in the beginning, is when you're kind of wandering around there with no purpose and not not feeling like anything, you feel like a, the zombie, you're just floating through life, you're going to miss those opportunities for those small decisions that are going to help guide you to that next thing. If you're not looking, if you're not in tuned and you're just kind of there doing it, then yeah, you're going to miss out on those opportunities that some people will say is luck. Some people will say yeah. that those things are the things that, you know, how did I, how did I miss that or, or whatever else? It's not that that guy was lucky. It's that he was actively searching. And when that opportunity came in, he put the two things together or three or four things together to say, if I do this, I think this will happen. And if that happens, this could be really big. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in regards to your journey and, and what your, what your coach told you about, Hey, you never start over. You know, I look at, I look at, you know, a perfect example of this is look, these, these guys that, that initially started mentoring me and got me out of the stuff that I was in and, and really helped build me up and make me the man that I am, uh, at that, at that period of time, like, honestly, if I could be totally candid, Evan, I disagree with a lot of their tactics now, right? If, if I can be totally candid about it. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can honestly tell you there is absolutely no way my friend that i would be the man that i am had i not been with them for the eight nine years that i was with them yeah right yeah. even though i just dis i disagree with probably 50 to 60 percent of the things they do now absolutely no way would i be who i am without them right but, but so what do you do what do you, you just say oh well, you just you chalk that up so they're bad and, and no absolutely not they're they're at a stage in life and they're doing their thing and that's great like they're enjoying their life in that place and awesome. Do your thing. I'm in a different place. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. And I think, I think more people would find themselves less depressed and more happy if they, if they could realize the fact that it's okay for someone else to be at a different place in life than you are. And we're all not on the same, you know, playing field per se. Like you have to be this and I have to be this too. And then we're both good. It's that, that's, that's a bunch of BS to me. Based on what you said about your mentors and, and their tactics and everything else, I think their heart was in the right place, but maybe their tactics were something that would have worked for them, but not necessarily for you. So that leads me to ask the question, how, how big of an age difference was the mentors that, that helped you versus you at that time? Mm. You know, to be honest, they were all over the place, man. They, mm -hmm. they, they were, a, um, they were a, an organization that really focused um, on cases like me. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, sometimes they did get the, the 16, 17 year old and sometimes they got the, you know, 30, 40 year old. Mm -hmm. um, and so the kind of the, the way that it worked organically within that organization is somebody would, you know, come in and then get mentored and built up and, and then they would become a mentor, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it's kind of just this, uh, this, this, cyclical training breeding ground, you know, so some, some guys that were, that were my direct mentors were, you know, I, I think the youngest might've been 24, 25. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, you know, I, I'm 17 at the time. And then, you know, the oldest was probably 35, 36, something of that nature. Well, I take that back. The oldest was the, the, the guy who was leading the, the whole thing was in his fifties or something of that nature. But mm -hmm. yeah, so it was, it was kind of really all over the place and they just, they just focused on cases like, 
like me. Yeah. Well, I want based on what you're saying there, I, it kind of, it kind of helps me better understand kind of some of the struggles that you had, because especially if they were in this, that close to the same position that you were in and then they kind of got out to it to a certain degree and they tried to help it. I, I'm in that 30, 36 year old age group. And I feel like I'm just now starting to be able to feel comfortable talking with confidence about some of this stuff to people. So you, you, you talk to somebody who's in their twenties, who's just like still kind of figuring everything else out. I could see where those tactics wouldn't made, make sense. But I, what mm-hmm. I do like about it is it makes it relatable to you because there's not that big a difference between where you are and where they were. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that helps to, especially for you to, to open you up to be more comfortable to talk about it. So I think in the grand scheme of things, tactics may may come and go, but I think it ultimately comes down to a person's heart. What are their intentions? Do they truly want to help you? And if so, I think that's what's the most important part because I think there's a lot of times that we'll sit back and say, well, I'm, I don't think I'm qualified to, to help this person or say anything to this person. But I think what you would uh, agree with is that if you're a, that person who's hurting, you're that person who's a, a lonely and, and feels that despair and feels that they're in this unique situation and nothing else and nobody says anything, you continue to be alone. But if that person will reach out to you and even if it's just a word of encouragement, just say, hey, I'm praying for you or hey, I've been where you've been and I want you to know that the other side, uh, there, there is uh, another side to this and you're not in this position for the rest of your life. You have the opportunity to get out of it. It may not feel like that right now, but you can get there because I did the same thing. And I think Mm. that when somebody's in that situation and hope comes along, that word hope has a whole new meaning for me uh, now because I've been in a situation where I I needed hope, where I didn't think that there was anything that could be done to help get me to that next level. And until you experience what true hope is when you're in that moment of despair, hope doesn't mean anything. When Barack Obama used it for his, uh, his campaign, I couldn't connect with it because I wasn't in the position of the market that he was trying to reach or the the demographic that he was trying to reach. But I think it connected very well with a certain demographic because they were in a position of despair. They were in a position where they felt that that hope was going to change things and that's what mobilized them. And that's the power of hope, not necessarily on a political side, but just for people in general. If they know that there's hope, you can completely change somebody's mindset. You can completely uh, change somebody's position in life by creating an opportunity for hope. When that opportunity for hope comes along, that can do wonders, no matter what the tactic is. It could be probably a, it could be a crappy tactic, but I think that when that hope comes along and people see that there is a way out, they're going to take it and they're going to be grateful for it. And that might be the only thing that ever comes along to help those people. Sure. Sure. You know, Evan, that's, that's a, a major reason. I don't, I don't, I don't know why I would have to kind of sit, sit back and dissect a little bit why I don't use the word hope a whole lot, but I think I use the same the same uh, meaning of what you're saying hope is with my clients. And what I do basically is help them understand number one, that they are empowered to mm-hmm. do anything that they want in their life. So that's a big part of my client sessions, man. It, honestly, that's, it's a, a majority of them is, is kind of, uh, you know, wrapping up those poisonous mindsets and, and throwing them away and helping them feel empowered 
uh, whether that be through mentors or, or through themselves or whatever, feeling empowered to accomplish whatever it is that they want to do in their life. And when that, when you can do that, that hope that you're talking about is like yeah. just, just a resident within your side, with inside your heart. And if you have that, if you, if you can wake up in the morning and know, Hey, I might not have it today, but I will. And you keep mm-hmm. chasing that thing. I guarantee you one day you're going to get it. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Josh. I, I appreciate you taking the time to share your story with our audience and uh, just just be open with everything that you've learned and and take that step taking that step out there to mentor and help other people. I think that uh, as as I get older and as I start to realize just how much people are hurting and and, and how much um, how unfair the world can be, it's nice to know that there's people out there that are are willing to uh, look look back and say, you know what, these people need my help and I'm willing to do it. So thank you for doing what you do. Uh, and thank you for kind of taking the time uh, to talk about uh, your story a little bit on the podcast. I, I want to give you the opportunity for the last word as we close out here. What's uh, what's your message to our listeners? We have all sorts of different listeners from all across the country, all the different age groups, uh, but you know who the target audience is and, and it's, it's that millennial group. It's that group that's finding themselves in those leadership roles uh, and trying to find their purpose. So uh, as we kind of close out, what's your message uh, to the listeners? Sure. sure. Don't doubt your heart. That, simple as that. Don't doubt what your heart is saying. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I, at risk of sounding redundant, I want to just I want to end with emphasizing that. Do not doubt what your heart is saying. When, whenever you feel that that urge, that desire, that push, and you know who, who knows how how exactly an individual person can define that. Uh, but when you feel that thing in your gut, you know what I'm talking about. Whoever's mm-hmm. listening, you know what I'm talking about. When you feel that thing, listen to that thing. Mm-hmm. Listen to that thing. That's the best thing that I could tell you to do. And, uh, and listen to that thing and push out every other voice that's not that thing, and you'll be fine. Absolutely. Josh, thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next podcast. Hey, listeners, this is Evan again. Uh, wanted to give you guys a quick opportunity to uh, follow up with Josh and his new book. So it is releasing here really soon. And Josh, I want to give you an opportunity to let the listeners know where they can find that book uh, so that if they're interested in purchasing that, uh, how they get their hands on it. So Josh, how do we get our hands on your book, Self Made? Yeah, man. So uh, I appreciate that, Evan. Uh, actually, you can just go to amazon.com and it's a self-published book. So okay. you can go to amazon.com and uh, just type in self-made or Joshua Dwight. You'll find it there. Uh, or if you don't want to go to Amazon, you could absolutely find a link to Amazon from my website, which is <laughs> joshuadwight.com. Uh, yeah, I, would, I would really appreciate the support. Check it out. We'll promote it on, on the webpage as well and on, on the show notes and uh, check out the book. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.